We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode two of Hook'em Hoops. My name is Tom Yarsh, alongside my fellow Chicagoan, Jason Kinander. Jason, how are we doing? Doing great. Happy New Year, Tommy. Yesterday was a holiday in the basketball world with season tipping off. We're going to talk some Texas hoops, talk about the Big 12, have some recruiting updates for Texas. It's going to be a great show. Happy to have you with me today. Happy to be here with you. Our first present under the tree for the Longhorns yesterday was UIW. See what I did there? That's kind of smooth. Uh, Christmas, yeah. in, Christmas in November, if you will. So UIW comes into town. Texas wins that one uh, fairly big. And, you know, this is this is something that I think I was kind of looking for just because they got off a little bit slow in that first half against St. Edwards in the scrimmage. Yep. You know, you want to see Texas come out and play really well against, and no disrespect to UIW and the card, that's a great team down there, but you against an inferior program. Uh, and I think that they did just that. Jason, we're going to go through some opening, opening thoughts here on this game. I'll start us off, and then I'll let you kind of bounce off of me. Uh, yeah. Biggest thing for me was, and I know this might upset a couple of Longhorn fans, but I love Zarek Onyema starting over Brock Cunningham. I'm not saying Brock Cunningham doesn't deserve minutes. I understand he's the glue guy and a reliable three-point shooter. But if Rodney Terry is going to roll three guards out on the floor, which we'll talk about a little bit in a minute in IT Horton, Max Aspis, and Tyrese Hunter, you need a physical presence in the game alongside Dylan Mitchell, who's kind of a not as a not as much of a physical presence, but just more of a you know athletic specimen. And Zarek Onyema is going to give you that day in and day out. He had 11 points, seven boards in 18 minutes, and that physicality is what makes him so valuable. Texas needs his post presence. And Rodney Terry talked in his post game press conference about how he's been really hard on Zarek and telling him that every single possession he needs to bring his A game. He needs to play physically, and it's going to take some time for him to adjust to that. You know, moving from UTEP to Texas is a big jump. And so it's going to take some time for Onyema to get his feet under him. But when he does, I think that's going to be really valuable. Uh, defensively, what he brings to stands out to me. Uh, specifically, what I liked about how Terry and the staff used him defensively. Obviously, this year for Texas, a lot of opposing teams are going to target Max Aismas on the defensive side of the ball just because he's a significantly smaller guard. Six one fan. Exactly. Mismatch, mismatch nightmare for, for Texas on the defensive side of the ball. So coming into last coming into Monday night, rather, I was wondering, you know, what do they do to help Max Aceless out? Well, they got 
Zarek and Yemma and Dale, Dylan Mitchell are really the two guys who come in there on the help defense. And the first possession, they went right at Max Aismas and they come up with two blocks, one from one from Mitchell and one from Onyema. So having those two guys on the interior is going to be big defensively, especially when teams try to attack Max Aismas. And I think that's a great answer. And even when they're not in the game, Caden Shedrick is a guy who can do that for you when he finally, he's another guy who needs to get his feet under him, get more comfortable coming back from the injury. Monday night was his first time really going up and down the floor and a long time so once yeah. he gets his once he gets back to full health and he can play well on the defensive end that's a guy who can help in that role too but i i absolutely i've been ta- i talked about zarek a lot on the first episode of the podcast I, i'll call myself the conductor of the zarek and yemma <laughs> fan train i think he's great for this texas team uh, and his physicality brings a lot for the longhorns i think that's going to be a pretty big fan train by the end of the year you know you started to kind of take My point at the end about Caden Shedrick, how incredible did he look off the bench yesterday? He looked fresh. He looked like he picked up exactly where he left off from that Furman game in the first round of the NCAA tournament for Virginia. This was a guy who looked great on both ends of the floor, shot three of four from the field, hit or three of three from the field, five of six from the free throw, six of seven from the free throw line, excuse me. Uh, Also grabbed five boards and had three blocks. So he contributed on both ends of the floor. And this was in only 12 minutes of play, Tommy. He had 12 points in 12 minutes, made a really big impact, looked every bit like the player. And again, this is small sample size, but every bit like the player that Texas thought that they were going to get. Another transfer who I talked a lot about in our first episode is Ithiel Horton. He was maybe the surprise man in the starting lineup in the scrimmages and then made the starting lineup for this game, although Texas did go with a little bit more of a small ball five with DeSue coming, being out and Shedrick uh, coming off the bench. Really loved what I saw from Ithiel Horton. Some of the looks that he gets in transition, he can find an open shot, his work off ball. It just, it reminds you of Serge Abari Rice. And for him to lead Texas with 17 points, seven of 12 from the field, also had five boards, three assists, two steals. This was a do-it-all type of guy. 24 years old, he's the second oldest player on the Texas team. Veteran presence looked really, really, good in his first showing um in a longhorn uniform what else did you like from yesterday's game i was just going to add in here because we forgot to bring up the final score was 88 56 texas jason looking back at this box score something to i I mentioned briefly how uiw is not a team to turn your head about second half texas only outscored them 40 to 39 so this 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 is very that's a little bit concerning, I, I would say. I mean, you know, granted, towards the end of the game, Texas had some of their uh, some of their walk-ons in the game as well. But uh, defensively, I know you talked about it a lot in the first episode. That's an area of the floor where Texas is going to have to get a lot better. And when they get guys like Dylan DeSue back and when Caden Shedrick gets fully healthy, I think that's an area of the game that they'll certainly yeah. improve. Uh, back to what I took away from last night, though. Uh, you mentioned IT Horton. Rodney Terry threw out a three-guard lineup of him, Max Aismas, and Tyrese Hunter at the same time, and it just makes so much sense because defensively, that makes it so much difficult for the opposing teams because you've got three bona fide shooters out there that you're going to have to worry about at the same time. And when you're not worried about them, you probably have two interior presences in presences in Dylan Mitchell, Zarek Onyema, Caden Shedrick, Dylan Sue, this goes on and on that you're also going to have to account for. So it's no secret that this Texas team is going to be a very jump shot heavy team. They want to hit the outside shots. They want to shoot the ball. They're going to yep. get it done on the inside too, but they're so guard heavy that 
they want to shoot the ball, especially from beyond the arc. And when you have those three guys on the floor at the same time, you're going to have to be able to account for that. And UIW, frankly, wasn't able to do that, especially in the first half. They kind of got lit up a little bit. Aismas has 12, Horton has 17, and then Hunter has 11. All those guys combined knocked down, let's see here, seven threes. So that's 21 easy points for you yep. from your shooters. And they weren't great shooting the ball at times tonight, at, at times on Monday night either. Um, so when if that lineup ends up sticking throughout the season, which I hope it will, because it just makes so much sense offensively for Texas. I think yep. if those guys are on, they can really run up the score on a lot of other teams that they play. It doesn't matter, you know, who they play, whether it's Kansas or UIW, they can run the score up if those guys are knocking down shots. Now, the 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 other side of that is if they're not knocking down shots, you know, what does that mean? Who do you turn to? Is it going to have to be a Zerika Nyema game? Is it going to have to be a Caden Shedrick game? Is it going to have to be a Dylan Mitchell game? Can those guys win a ball game by themselves, essentially? Stuff that, you know, sometimes Serge Barry Rice had to do that last season. Sometimes it was Marcus Carr who had to do that last season. Timmy Allen had to do it. Can those three do it if their guards can't knock down the shots? I guess we'll have to find out later into the season, but I'm curious what you think of, the, of that uh, lineup on the floor for RT, Jason. You know, I like the lineup on the floor. I think that they are forced to play small ball with Shedrick being on a minutes restriction and with DeSue not quite ready to come back yet. And so this is what's going to have to work for them. I do want to point something out. IUW or UIW, excuse me, is a small team. And this is a Texas team who struggled in the in the paint against St against St. Edwards last week. And so that was something that I was really going to be looking for on Monday night. And Texas only gave up nine combined points to the two forwards in the starting lineup uh, for Incarnate Word, which is pretty good. On the other hand, this is a Texas team who, all the way dating back to last year, has been very prone to the big game. And even though they won big last night, that was something that did not change. For you, for Incarnate Word, Sky Wicks, the junior transfer from Missouri State, had a huge game last night. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. This is a Texas team who, win or lose, you can get yours against this defense, evidently. Jordan Miller did it in the Elite Eight last year. Marquise Noel arguably put his name on the map with his performance against Texas first game of conference play last season and the Moody Center. This is a Texas team where if you catch fire against them, they they clearly not clearly, but they seem to lack the ability to adjust to somebody having a big game. They stick to their game plan, and that's a good thing. And against these uh, sort of weaker competition, it, it'll it, it'll be okay. But when you're against a team like UConn, where you have multiple guys who have an on night, or Indiana or Marquette in about in a couple of weeks, this is a Texas team who, if they can't make shots and other guys on the other team are making shots, I mean, obviously they're going to scr- struggle. There's a big points discrepancy there. Um, one thing that I really did like was sort of the way that Onyema and Mitchell complement themselves. Dylan Mitchell's the most athletic defender that Texas has. He can fly around the floor. Onyema's a little bit more agile than you would think for somebody his size. So to see him be a little bit more versatile on defense, I'm not quite ready to say that he can guard positions one through five. But you can feel good about him guarding one of the bigger guards on the opposing team. And then obviously the big men. He's a little undersized in the low post, but he makes up for that with his intensity. I really like what I've seen from Zero. And uh, I know that you definitely agree with that. So in short, I like choo what choo, Rodney baby. Terry. Choo choo. Yeah, I like what Rodney Terry's doing with the lineup so far. Uh, this certainly is not the lineup that we will see starting the most games for Texas. This is not their uh, five best 
so to speak, when DeSue and Shedrick are back and fully healthy. That's when we'll see uh, the routine starting five. But for now, this works out. And uh, do you have any last thoughts on the game before we kind of move on? We have some recruiting stuff uh, that I think we should get into. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, I'm going to touch on uh, just a, you know, as part of the game, but just an overall really cool moment for yeah. Texas fans. We um, have to talk about this. You yeah, cannot talk you can't, about this. You can't miss this. Uh, TJ Ford Jr. Yes, Jr. Mm. Not senior, Jr. Made his collegiate basketball debut last night, Monday night rather, for UIW. Uh, just an awesome moment for TJ and his family who were there in attendance. Uh, TJ, his, his wife. And, and his kids and his brother, um, his whole family making the trip up from Houston to, to watch him play. You know, I've been around TJ for a long time. I've been around TJ Jr. for a long time. And these guys work super hard and they'll never talk about it. They just they do it in silence. Uh, and I know it's a touche term, but, you know, these guys work extremely hard and, you know, just really, really happy to see that all pay off for a really great family. Some uh, I got TJ is a guy who does a lot for so many kids in Austin on the basketball teams and uh, you know, he helps out a bunch of other kids in the Houston area, too, to to get recruited and just get better at basketball. So a great moment for a really good family. Uh, TJ Jr. played pretty well for, for a freshman against one of the better teams in the country. Uh, in the first half, first two minutes, he had three turnovers. That's never what you want to see. And sometimes after that, you can get down on yourself. Uh, you yep. can lose all your confidence. Well, TJ Jr. came out in the second half, a couple minutes time, had five points at an and one layup, just looked a lot quicker, a lot more comfortable. And so that's what you want to see from a freshman rebounding. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be an All-American this year or anything like that. Uh, but nonetheless, good to see him play well and good to see a proud dad moment for for TJ sitting courtside. We're in, a, we're in UIW colors in a place where he's got his number 11 hanging in the rafters forever in Austin. So uh, that was that was my last point on on the game last night against UIW. Again, Texas wins that 88 to 56 to start the year off 1-0. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week. 
during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Uh, Jason, let's go into recruiting now. 2024 class for Rodney Terry. You mentioned last time they're looking to take about four guys in this class, and they've got two on board now. Uh, Cam Scott was the first one to hop on the ship, the four-star shooting guard out of Lexington, South Carolina. He's the number one rated prospect in the state by 24-7 sports, 37th nationally. Now they get Nick Cody, a 6'9", 200-pound power forward out of Carrollton, Texas. He's the number one prospect in Texas by 24-7 sports, a four-star ranked 46th nationally. So we'll talk about both of these guys, but we'll talk about the newest one, Nick Cody, first. Uh, your thoughts? Nick Cody, great ad for Texas. It's important that as you kind of hit this home stretch of the year, kids are going to start making their decisions. Some of the top guys in the class of 2024 starting to make their calls. Cooper Flagg just committed a week ago. Um, Nas Cunningham committed today. That was a guy who was on Texas's target list. Maybe a little more recruited back when Chris Beard was here. But Nick Cody is a very good ad for Texas. This is, for some outlets, one of the top players in Texas, the top power forward um, in the state of Texas, which very big deal for Texas to recruit well in state, something that hasn't happened lately. I think that not as much about who Nick Cody is as a player because he projects well. He's a six foot eight power forward. He needs to grow into his body a little more, maybe has a growth spurt um, coming up. But this, what this kind of signifies for Texas, and we're going to get into what this could lead to in you know, a matter of weeks or months um, when Texas wraps up this class. What this kind of shows is that Texas is placing an emphasis again on recruiting in-state. And over the past couple of years when it was Chris Beard and his regime in charge of recruiting, and now Rodney Terry was very involved in the day-to-day -day of recruiting, this was a Texas program that did not clean up recruiting in-state. So many great players that Texas made the final threes, final fives for. Just off the top of my head, Anthony Black, Keontae George, Jacoby Walter. These are all guys who Texas was very much in the mix for up until the very end, and they just couldn't finish. And so now to see Cam Scott, Nick Cody aboard, got another name that Texas is very, very interested in. Obviously, the crown jewel of the class who they hope that they can get hasn't made his decision yet, but... This is sort of a domino move for me. I think you know a little bit more about Nick Cody as a player, maybe from the recruiting aspect, but um, I really like what this signifies. And, hey, Texas is getting bigger. This season with Onyema in tow, Shedrick, DeSue, Texas is starting to emphasize being bigger, positional size, positional length, and adding a six foot nine guy who can do it all on the court is another good step in that direction. 
Yeah, you mentioned Onyema. I think Cody's a guy who, with some time and a strength and conditioning program, can be the Onyema type player where he's physical mm. on the glass, uh, moves around really well with his with his back when he's facing the basket, but his back towards the rim as well. This is a guy six nine, two hundred pound power forward, as you mentioned. Uh, I I trust Eric Bossy, the twenty four seven basketball analyst. I trust his eye a lot, and I think he described Cody really well. If it's the physical profile of a modern day power forward. Not a prolific shooter, but he's good enough to where he's going to draw attention from opposing defenses to at least get a hand up on him or, or you know, play respectable defense. And like I mentioned, when he gets in a weight room in college, I think adding on some bulk and some muscle is going to help out his game a lot. He has a lot of room to grow. And you can say that for a lot of the guys that Rodney Terry is recruiting. You look at Devin Pryor in the 2023 class that just got added. That's a long-term ad that they're trying to tap into the potential for. This is a program that wants to be able to say, hey, we can develop NBA-level talent. And that's what they're showing in their recruiting as well. Now, as far as Camp Scott goes, the 6'5", 165-pound shooting guard out of Lexington, South Carolina. Like I mentioned, this is a guy who they want to bring in to shoot the ball. Great shooter. He has a great-looking mm. touch with a, a great-looking shot, excuse me, with some nice touch. Athletic. He can throw down the lob if you need him to. He's going to be the spot-up shooter in this class for Rodney Terry. And he's another guy who is going to take some time to get his feet under him at the college level. But when he's ready, he can knock down the shot for you. Um, and, and I think that's a great at. Now, you meant you kind of hinted towards the, the crown jewel of this class, and it's a guy who used to be the number one overall prospect in the state of Texas. He ends up going to Link Academy, which I believe is in St. Louis, Missouri, right? I think I'll, I'll take a look, but keep talking. Okay, I believe it's in St. Louis, Missouri, and that is Trey Johnson, five-star prospect, number five overall player in the 2024 class by 24-7 sports, 6'6", 190-pound shooting guard, um, deciding between yeah, Texas and Baylor. St. Louis, okay, I, I, I'm right about something finally. Uh, <laughs> deciding between Texas and Baylor. G League Ignite was kind of in this recruitment a little bit as well. He rules them out mm. for now, but don't be, they're still pushing for him pretty hard, so don't rule that out entirely. I'm not saying this is going to be a Ron Holland situation. Can, yeah. You can never count out G League just because of what they can offer when it, comes to, path, when it comes to the path to the pros. Um, but undoubtedly, Trey Johnson is the biggest target on the board for this Texas staff, and rightfully so. He would be a huge land for the Longhorns and would probably be the guy out of this class to see the earliest playing time. Extremely good shooter who can shoot from anywhere on the floor. 24-7 Sports is Brandon Jenkins, another former Longhorn who, whose eye I also trust uh, a lot, compared him to Devin Booker. I think that's a really interesting comp there. Just about to mention that. Um, yeah, And this is, a, this is a guy who, you know, the early signing period starts when the show comes out today, Wednesday, November 8th. So this is a guy whose decision should be coming soon. No, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have a commitment date in time. So there's no timetable for it. But if Rodney Terry lands Trey Johnson, that is a massive addition. And he's setting the tone early during his time at Texas saying, hey, I can land the guys who have the roots in Texas and can bring a lot to our team. You look at the 23 class, he gets Chris Johnson from Kansas. Trey Johnson would be huge for this 24 class and I think really set the tone going forward. This is a guy that people are going to want to play with. So if they're looking for one more player in this 24 class, having Trey Johnson on board would certainly help things out. The last note that I have on the recruiting side of things is one, you know, when you kind of do the math here, let's just play hypotheticals. In the case of Texas does get Trey Johnson. That's the third signee 
assume that they make it to signing. Some didn't. Um, but this would be the third commit, hopefully future signee in the Texas class. You sort of wonder if Devin Pryor, and my opinion on this has changed since Monday night's game, you sort of wonder if, as somebody who reclassified and was a little under-recruited, um, you wonder if Devin Pryor is someone who will almost translate to the 2024 class. And he was someone whose name was thrown around with maybe redshirting. He got ele- he got 11 minutes off the bench last night, which was still pretty good. Um, but you think that that's a guy who will be out of the rotation when Shedrick is fully back, when Dylan DeSue is back. Um, just not a whole lot of minutes, especially for somebody who reclassified. You almost wonder in the same way you mentioned Chris Johnson, flipping isn't necessarily a thing in basketball, but – and Texas could take advantage of somebody like a Chris Johnson, uh, Mackenzie Mbako, or another, um, trying to think who's the kid from St. John's, um, Simeon Wilcher, uh, top 50 recruits who are signed and are happy at a school, and then a couple of dominoes don't fall their way in the transfer portal, and they end up in a new home. So just kind of doing the math and looking at who's left and who Texas has offers out for, even if they get Trey Johnson, I don't think Rodney Terry is going to reach his four-man class. And when you say four-man class, you mean four guys who translate to playing relatively soon, not just four signees. That's really four top 100, top 75 type guys. And so we're at an interesting point of recruitment. And Rodney Terry recruited a lot of these guys when he was an assistant coach. So you wonder if that sort of helps. They already have this very hands-on relationship with the guy who they're going to be playing under, who is going to be determining their playing time. And you wonder if that's something that is sort of helping Texas in recruiting, help Rodney Terry it's not like they're getting all of these dominoes to fall in their direction but you would have thought that the recruiting would fall off when your head coach gets fired less than a year ago spontaneously for something that was out of your control and it hasn't at all if it stayed the same and has a chance to get better if Trey Johnson commits I think that it's great news any last thoughts on the on the recruitment yeah one more thing on Trey Johnson if Trey Johnson chooses Texas he would be the third highest rated all-time commit for the program only behind kevin durant and mo bamba so that says he's higher than avery bradley he is avery bradley right now is third so he would take avery bradley's spot four is dylan mitchell five is miles turner six is greg brown wow so trey johnson committing would be the third highest ranked ranked prospect for Texas all time. So I think that kind of, you know, obviously rankings don't mean everything, but that speaks a lot to the type of talent that Rodney Terry would get on campus. Such an interesting list to be associated with Kevin Durant and Mo Bamba and Greg Brown and Dylan Mitchell really sink or swim there. But anytime you get premier talent in the organization, in the locker room, it's just the domino effect for that is huge. And this is a Texas roster that's going to have to rebuild again after the season, just with some of the seniors from the guys who will be out of eligibility and to have a guy, a young guy in Trey Johnson, likely one and done who they could build around, Um, would be absolutely massive. The last thing that we're going to talk about on today's episode of Hook'em Hoops is we're going to go through the Big 12 and what some of the teams, what some of our thoughts are from Monday night. I'm going to lead off here with one team that really impressed me and one team that really didn't. And the team that really impressed me out of all the teams that played in the Big 12 was TCU. This is a team that I'm already really high on. I love what they did in the transfer portal. Absolutely love some of the players that they added. And they all looked really good last night, except for Ernest Uday, who might have been out of minutes restriction, 
didn't play very much, only played 13 minutes in the starting lineup. Um, let's just kind of go up and down the list here. Jameer Nelson Jr., 14 points, six assists, five steals. What a impact on both ends of the floor for the Delaware transfer. Avery Anderson, the in-conference transfer, had 15 points and five assists. Travion Tennyson, the Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi transfer, had 13 points, two rebounds, and two assists. There's a TCU team that cleaned it up in the portal. And the combination between those new faces and the veterans that they have returning for Jamie Dixon, I've got TCU in the Sweet 16 at least this year. I'm so high on this group. And, yeah, they only played Southern, but they won by 33, and they looked really good. One team that looked horrible last night was Oklahoma State. I don't know why people were talking about this team as a fringe tournament team. And, yeah, Tommy, it's early. It's day one of the season. But they, they got Abilene Christian, and it feels good to say that on a Texas podcast that another big 12 team got Abilene Christian <laughs> putting up only 59 points against the Wildcats on their home court in Stillwater, horrible crowd in attendance for this one. Only one third of the arena was full. So it's hard to win these non-marquee non-conference games. when you don't have very many fans watching Moody center sold out last night. So culture is such a, such an important thing in today's age of college basketball. But this is an Oklahoma State team that it's not the deep lineup that you thought it would be. They have a McDonald's All-American and Brandon Garrison who came off the bench and scored one point, had more fouls than points. Bryce Thompson, he's supposed to have a big year this year. He looked good, but it wasn't enough to beat Abilene Christian. Tommy, I really think that of the non-incoming Big 12 teams, because I think that that's three of the four bottom right there, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU, of the non-new Big 12 teams, Oklahoma State is by far the worst on paper for me this year. How do you feel about that? I completely agree with you, and I knew you were going to talk about Oklahoma State, so <laughs> I left all the notes for you. Uh, but I think you're, you're absolutely right, and I'm surprised that Garrison didn't have – much of a role for the Cowboys last night. You know, you mentioned he had more more fouls than he did points. Uh, that's shocking because that's a guy that they were super high on and that they definitely wanted to bring into the rotation early. Evidently, it seems like that didn't come to fruition last night. Um, when it comes to my thoughts on how other teams looked for the Big 12, excuse me, last night, uh, number one, Kansas State, they had the tough loss to USC. As expected, mm. this is a team that's going to have some growing pains now that they don't have Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, but – Jerome Tang, I am completely sold on him. He is a great coach, and I think that once he gets his footing under him and learns how to how to use some of his new guys and some of the returners that he has, that's a team that's going to be just fine and cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. Uh, Iowa State looks really good this year. TJ Otzelberger, I mm. think, is one of the better coaches in the Big 12. Might end up being, honestly, the Big 12 coach of the year if the Cyclones have the year that they they very well could have. This is a team that is very talented. I love the freshman, Omaha Bilyeu, uh, one of the higher-rated recruits that the Cyclones have landed in quite some time, another McDonald's All-American. He had five fouls against Green Bay on Monday night, but I think he's got a really high ceiling. And if they use him this year as he gets his feet under him, I know I've said that term a lot tonight, but this is all about this. Is, this is that's what it's all about here at the start of the season, especially for these freshmen and transfers. Uh, that's what that's the first step to to playing well at the college level. Last but not least, Houston. One word: dominant. L.J. Cryer struggled, but. That's why you have Manuel Sharp. That's why you have Jamal Sheed to help him out. And I'm curious to see a guy who I was really high on coming out of high school. He won a couple of state championships at Beaumont United. Terrence Arsenault. Um, I'm excited to see how they use him this year. I think he's extremely oh. talented and, you know, really could have played well for Houston last year had they not had a guy like Tremont Mark, who has a very similar playing style to him. 
Um, so now that Mark is at Arkansas, I'm interested to see if Arsenal sort of takes his spot a little bit on the team. Really good score. Guy who can do it all for you on both sides of the floor. The thing that I loved about Iowa State, I, I love the fact that you brought up the Cyclones. We talked about them in the last episode. This was the team that I'm high on in the preseason. Them and TCU are really my two Big 12 teams that I don't feel like are being talked about enough who really clean it up in the portal. But the two guys who really showed the most for me from Iowa State, Payman Lipsy, who is arguably the most underrated returning player in the entire Big 12 conference, he had a great freshman year, did a lot of what Tyrese Hunter did his freshman year at Iowa State, but didn't get the attention in the postseason that Tyrese Hunter got. So they didn't have to fend off as many suitors in the portal. Taman Lipsy was a guy last night, dropped 12 points, seven, eight rebounds, seven assists. We had a guy on pit have a triple-double. Other than that, this is about as close as anyone came last night. Very impressive in just 26 minutes of play. And then the freshman who looked the best for me for Iowa State wasn't their highest-rated guy. It was actually Milan Momsilovich, still a top-40 recruit. He had 18 points and seven rebounds in his college debut against a Green Bay team coached by Sundance Wicks, who people think can make some noise in the mid-major ranks this year. Got a big transfer in Noah Reynolds. I really liked what I saw out of Iowa State. Another point that I'll make on the Big 12 is we are still awaiting some really big transfer decisions here. I don't think that the full landscape of the conference for this upcoming season has played itself out yet. The first thing is Cincinnati. They're awaiting decisions on two two-time transfers, Jameer Reynolds and Aziz Bendagu. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the transfer from Utah Valley State. Uh massive deal if Cincinnati can get one or both of those players back completely changes this team otherwise I think that that's a very thin Cincinnati team love Wes Miller as a coach but I don't think that they're going to be able to adjust to the big 12 style of play BYU they looked good against Houston Christian but I don't think that they're going to make much noise this year going back to my point on waiting for transfer waivers is there any team that has had more problems before the season than the May national champion West Virginia Mountaineers I mean, everybody was ready to hang the banner. Bob Huggins was about to take a victory lap across the court. They had all these guys in tow, and then Huggy Bear gets fired, makes a bunch of makes a bunch of mistakes, really dawned a dark cloud on the program this summer. And then West Virginia loses almost everyone. Kirk Reese is suspended for the first nine games. Trey Mitchell's a Kentucky Wildcat. Joe Toussaint is a Texas Tech Red Raider. West Virginia was able to pull it out against Missouri State, but man. The biggest decision remaining in this conference for me is if Raekwon Battle gets that waiver or not from West Virginia, that's what makes or breaks whether or not, not just they're a tournament team, they're a postseason team. Because without Raekwon Battle, it's a West Virginia team that was favored by five points at home against Missouri State. It's a mess waiting to happen for Josh Eiler. And I, I just, I'm surprised that they won by eight. I really am. I think that, that I was ready to talk about West Virginia when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. On Monday, when I was watching all the games, I was like, man, West Virginia, they are looking to lose. This is a thin starting lineup. They played eight guys that whole game. Um, instead, I talked about Oklahoma State. So any last thoughts on the Big 12 before we get out of here? Um, you know, looking just looking up and down the scores here, Kansas, uh, Kansas is going to be Kansas this year. I think they're one of the yep. better teams in the country for a reason. Um you know, Bill Self signed the lifetime contract today, obviously deserving. They have a great roster. They're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, Oklahoma with a sneaky 30-point win over Central Michigan. Uh, we'll see what Porter Moser looks like this year. That's the guy that I was really excited to see how he would do at a Big 12 level coming from mm. Loyola. Uh, so we'll see if he can finally get some footing at, o at OU. Uh, one of the guys that Oklahoma brought in that I'm really high on, Jacob Cole, a freshman, uh, not sure how much he's going to play this year. Uh, trying to see if he if he got any playing time last night. Doesn't look like he did, 
but uh, still might be recovering from an injury. But Jacob Cole's a guy to look out for for the Sooners. Um, and like you mentioned, I, I like TCU a lot too. Micah Peavy, I think, is a really good player. Led the team in scoring last night with 21 points. That's definitely a team that can make some noise in the tournament, even though they lost uh, one of my favorite players from last season in, in Mike Miles. Yep. You know, that TCU team, I'm just going to want to reiterate one more time. I feel like we're going to be talking about them a lot on this show this year. Just when you look at the way college basketball, the landscape this year, I really, really like what this TCU roster looks like. The mix between the vets, you mentioned PV, Emmanuel Miller is another guy who's back. Chuck O'Bannon is here for his eighth year of college, it seems like. And then the new guys that I already mentioned, they have some young guys who are back too. Great TCU squad. One last thing that I want to mention before we wrap things up today is Delaware State is Texas's next opponent on Friday, 7 p.m. on the Longhorn Network. Delaware State was in action last uh, Monday night against Penn State, a team who some people are low on. I'm high on, but this isn't a Big Ten show, so we're not really going to talk about them. Delaware State did not look good at all. This is a team who shot 28% from the field, 6% from three, 23 turnovers. Tommy, I think we're going to sound like a broken record the next time we talk. Should be an easy one for the Longhorns on Friday. Yeah, Jason, I think this is a chance for Texas to come out and, you know, kind of try to prove you wrong a little bit and say, hey, we can play some defense. Uh, you know, this is a game where it's a, not necessarily a tune-up game because they're not coming off anything where they need to tune up necessarily, but a chance for them to maybe try some some different looks out defensively, try some different strategies out and kind of establish what they want their um, – we're trying to find the right word for it, not necessarily personal identity. There we go. That's the right word. What they want their identity to be. Rodney Terry said in his post-game press conference yesterday that they're still trying to figure out what that is. And that's going to take time with a new head coach, a lot of transfers coming in, and a lot of guys having to step into new roles. So this is a game where you continue to learn more about yourself, learn more about your team, and identify what it is that you're going to do really well, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball. And so we can kind of get a preview of what this Texas defense may be looking like uh, more schematically for the rest of the season. Yeah, Tommy, something that I'm really looking forward to in this game is who Texas is going to run out first as a starting lineup. If they run out the same starting five as they did against Incarnate Word, or if Shedrick's going to be in the lineup with a little bit more minutes, I think probably not. I think that they're going to keep ramping him up. But it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Everyone's complaining about the, the slate of games the first week, but next week's slate is going to creep up on us pretty quick, and pretty soon Texas will be playing Louisville. Not that that's that difficult of a game. I need to stop saying that, by the way, because if Texas loses to Louisville, it's going to be an absolute disaster class. But if they beat Louisville, they'll play either UConn or Indiana. That's next weekend. So this is a Texas team that has two more games against Delaware State and then against Rice to get their legs under them, to get a little bit of an identity – to get comfortable playing with each other in games that count. And then we'll see what they're really made of next week, next weekend. Looking forward to it. The last thing that I want to talk about before we get y'all out of here, I know that we haven't known each other for too long as members of, or I know that we haven't known each other from us to the crowd uh, for too long, given that this is just our second episode. But if you're wondering why I have a mustache, contrary to our beautiful logo, uh, every November, this is the third straight November where I'm participating in Movember. So I'm raising money 
to combat uh, or to that'll benefit men's health. And so I haven't figured out what my goal is going to be yet. I probably should because it's November, uh, second week of November already. But I'm going to put that goal up on Twitter, put a little link to donate. And then once I reach that goal, shave the stash. I already think it looks bad. I can't wait to shave. But I do this every year. Just hope it's gone by Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining me, Tommy. Thank you for joining us, the audience. It's been another great episode of the Hook'em Hoops pod. Looking forward to seeing y'all as soon as possible. Have a good one. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 